Volkov, and this is episode 234 of Corrupt, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. And our episode today is a deep dive into the stair cycle FCPA enforcement action. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Hope you're doing well, staying safe and healthy, and your friends, family, and colleagues are all doing well. Um, I thought I would turn to, yes, believe it or not, the first corporate FCPA enforcement action brought by the Department of Justice in 2022. It's only, it only took them until, uh, you know, the third week of April of 2022. Uh, this was the second, uh, however, uh, for the SEC because the SEC had already announced a case against KT Corp. But uh, the Justice Department ended its FCPA enforcement drought by announcing um, this settlement. In a parallel action, the SEC announced its settlement with Stericycle for $22 million, uh, for, uh, I'm sorry, $28 million for FCPA violations. The SEC settlement, like I said, was its second. Uh, under the settlement, Stericycle, and Stericycle is a global waste management company, and they resolved investigations being conducted by the Department of Justice, the SEC, and Brazil, uh, two offices in Brazil. And they uh, agreed to enter into a three-year deferred prosecution agreement and pay more than $84 million in total. Stericycle will pay $52.5 million in criminal penalties, $28 million to the SEC in civil penalties and disgorgement, and, uh, pre- and interest, and approximately $9 million to Brazilian authorities, and DOJ agreed to credit up to one-third of the criminal penalty against fines the company pays to Brazil authorities. The DPA, which is very interesting uh, because it reflects already the stamp of uh, the new administration and some of the white-collar policies that they talked about, uh, and uh, a resumption, I think, of what we're going to see uh, in more cases than not, is uh, the appointment of an independent compliance monitor for a two-year period. Uh, and I thought that was uh, uh, pretty interesting since we haven't seen many corporate monitors uh, for the last few years. Stericycle is a global waste management company. They're headquartered in Illinois. In its factual admission, Stericycle admitted to a wide-ranging scheme involving payment of bribes to foreign officials in Brazil, Mexico, and Argentina. In total, Stericycle paid approximately $10.5 million in bribes uh, to foreign officials in Brazil, Mexico, and Argentina, and they secured business contracts, and they earned profits uh, totaling at least $21.5 million from the corrupt payments. So between 2011 and 2016, Stericycle made hundreds of payments to government officials, state-owned businesses, hospitals, which are state-owned or government-run, in Brazil, Mexico, and Argentina. 
an executive at Stericycle's Latin American division, actually it's two really, directed employees in the company's offices in Brazil, uh, Mexico, and Argentina to pay bribes, usually in cash, based on a percentage of the value of an underlying contract. The co-conspirators tracked the bribe payments through spreadsheets and used code words to discuss the bribes using such terms as CP, or commission payment, uh, IP, or incentive payment, or even down to Alfa Juarez, a popular cookie or IP in Argentina. In resolving the case, the Justice Department applied its corporate imp- enforcement policy factors as follows. One, <coughs> excuse me, Stericycle did not receive voluntary or timely disclosure credit. Two, the company earned full cooperation credit by proactively disclosing certain evidence of which the United States was previously unaware, providing information obtained through the internal investigation, making detailed factual presentations, facilitating interviews of foreign-based employees, and collecting and producing relevant information and documents located outside the U.S., and translating foreign language documents. And Stericycle earned remediation credit by, uh, one, beginning remedial measures in response to its internal investigation prior to the commencement of the investigation, two, strengthening its corporate governance by appointing new individuals to senior management and its board of directors and establishing a safety operations and environmental committee to enhance board oversight. Three, strengthened its compliance organization by hiring additional compliance personnel, including an experienced chief ethics and compliance officer who reports directly to the CEO and chair of the audit committee. They updated its code of conduct, policies, procedures, and controls relating to anti-corruption, including retention and management of commercial agents and third parties and gifts, travel, and entertainment. Enhanced its internal reporting, investigations, and risk assessment processes, overhauled its compliance, training, and communications, disciplined certain employees, including senior managers, and divested its subsidiaries in Mexico and Argentina and took steps to address risks in Brazil. Despite, though, these remedial efforts, DOJ imposed the two-year independent compliance monitor because the company had not fully implemented or tested its enhanced compliance program. But I think once we talk about and go through the extent and pervasive nature of this uh, bribery scheme, you'll see that that decision uh, was well supported by the, the nature of the misconduct. Now, DOJ noted here, again, looking at the full record of criminal history and past misconduct, that, that being something new that's being looked at, They noted that Stericycle had some history of prior civil and regulatory settlements, but no prior criminal history. So based on all these factors, including the nature of the misconduct, its pervasiveness in Brazil, Mexico, and Argentina, DOJ agreed to discount the criminal penalty with a 25% reduction off the bottom of the applicable U.S. sentencing guideline range. So let's talk about um, the the misconduct, because it, this is actually a pretty pervasive, pretty wild scheme. And we always learn important compliance lessons from digging into these foreign bribery schemes. And the bribery misconduct is instructive here because of its pervasive 
operations, the participation of numerous executives and employees, and the use of, a thir- of third-party vendors. In the end, we always come down to one basic truth. A fish rots from its head, and in this case, it's clear that the Latin Americans' division culture was rotted and acted in accordance with executive direction to engage and advance the business through bribery, all the way down to employees who participated. Because when you consider how many people were involved in this, it really is amazing. Stericycle's LATAM executives, uh, two of them in particular, directed and monitored the country-specific businesses, including the payment of hundreds of bribery payments to build Stericycle's business. In Brazil, for example, between 2011 and 2016, Stericycle made bribery payments to foreign officials employed by at least 25 separate government or state-owned agencies or instrumentalities, and they earned at least $13.4 million in profits from the corrupt bribery payments. The LATAM and Brazil executives maintained a spreadsheet, and everybody had a spreadsheet here, with detailed information tracking the bribes and labeled these payments as necessary for quote-unquote debt collection services. The Brazil executives directed employees to deliver cash payments to secure priority from government agencies for payment of invoices. The actual cash deliveries were made by third-party intermediaries. The bribery payments, again, were calculated based on a percentage of the underlying contract and invoice amount. So the Brazil finance employees prepared bank orders in the names of the sales employees who would retrieve the money from the bank and deliver the cash funds through an intermediary. For example, on March 30, 2015, after receiving payment from a government agency for an outstanding invoice, a Brazil sales employee requested approval from a Brazil executive to pay a bribe to a government official from that agency. After securing that approval, the finance employee made the funds available, in this case $13,200, which represented approximately 20% of the invoice, which was ultimately paid to the government official through an intermediary. And this specific, and all of these transactions were then recorded and matched on the spreadsheet. Brazil executives directed finance employees to conceal the bribery payments by making them appear to be legitimate expenses. And they used several schemes to cover up the payments, including use of inflated invoices from vendors that did provide legitimate service, But this method became more blatant when finance employees enlisted a number of vendors solely for the purpose of extracting money to fund the bribery scheme through the submission of fake invoices. None of these vendors, this group, provided any services to Stericycle. In its books, the invoices and payments were described falsely as debt collection services. And again, they tracked these on a spreadsheet. Now in Mexico... Between this, uh, for the same time period, Stericycle paid bribes to foreign officials from at least 15 separate agencies, state-owned businesses, or instrumentalities in Mexico in order to secure priority in payment of invoices and avoid potential penalties or fines. They earned at least $3.7 million in profits from these bribery payments. As in Brazil, the payments were made under the direction and supervision of the two LATAM executives, as well as numerous Mexico executives. In general, monthly payments were made to various Mexico officials 
uh, in the amount equal to the percentage of the contract amounts. And in referencing the illegal payments, executives and employees referred to them as, quote, little pieces of chocolates, close quote, or IP payments. Mexico executives and finance officials maintained spreadsheets reflecting the bribe payments. LATAM executives reviewed the spreadsheets regularly based on a monthly amount summary. The spreadsheets included listings of the vendors employed to submit invoices for sham services that were never provided. Even more so here, we have the LATAM executives participated in a monthly Mexico Executive Committee meeting during which they reviewed financial records that included bribery payments. Stericycle employees uh, employed over 45 vendors to submit fake invoices. The Mexico vendors then passed the money generated from the fake invoices to Mexico finance employees to pay the bribes, and some did so directly to government officials. The bribery spreadsheets included false entries to identify the fake services as, quote, forklift rental, uh, publicity, and promotional products. Finally, let's turn to Argentina during the same time period. Stericycle, again, made more bribery payments uh, to various uh, foreign officials and earned at least $4.4 million in profits. And these were made, again, at the direction or knowledge of the LATAM executives, along with Argentina executives and local managers. A specific spreadsheet was maintained by the LATAM executives under the false heading of Top 20 SG&A Expenses by Country. And this spreadsheet broke down the payments by country, Brazil, Mexico, and Argentina. Bribery payments were calculated and approved by Argentina country management and paid by sales employees. Once approved, the sales employee obtained the cash from the Buenos Aires central office and delivered the payment to the government officials. Argentinian officials referred to bribery payments as, quote-unquote, alpha, A-L-F-A, and alpha jores, a popular cookie in Argentina. So let's turn now to lessons learned. And this is actually, when you read the case here and sort of dig into the facts in both the SEC settlement and in the DOJ settlement, it really is pretty pervasive and overwhelming. But to me, it's another case that's just uh, pin it, put a pin in it for a complete culture and compliance breakdown. And I often repeat myself that the most important control that any company can have is an ethical culture. When a culture veers into the unethical and even criminal conduct, there's nothing to stop that train of illegality from continuing. And when you review the facts of Stericycle's conduct in Brazil, Mexico, and Argentina, it is hard to understand, from my standpoint, how the entire workforce from executives to finance to sales and other employees could go along with this conduct as if it was proper. If no one at any time raised a concern or questioned the conduct, it makes you wonder how this company operated on a day-to-day basis without even more illegal activity. Once you open the door to criminal conduct, the floodgates will fill in with a range of illegal, uh, range of illegal behavior such as fraud, antitrust, money laundering, embezzlement, and other conduct that can so quickly take over an organization. Given the overall picture, there are two striking issues. First, DOJ 
acted properly by imposing an independent compliance monitor. In fact, you can make an argument that it should have been for a three-year term. Second, it's not clear whether DOJ plans to indict the LATAM executives and senior executives from the individual companies. The, uh, the conduct at issue appears to have ended in 2016, and they may be time-barred given the timing of that conduct. If that's so, this is a striking reminder, though, of how DOJ's investigative delays, when dependent on outsourcing an investigation to a company's law firm, can undermine its ability to bring individual indictments against wrongdoers. Of course, I readily admit, look, I don't know all the facts, and there may be an explanation for the failure to indict individuals, but boy, I'll tell you, the LATAM executives certainly should be on the top of this uh, indictment list. So let's turn to some of the specific lessons learned from this case, and there are several important reminders. And culture, culture, and culture, and once again, culture, and did I mention that there was a culture breakdown? This was not an isolated rogue employee, rogue executive, or small band of wrongdoers. Every aspect of the operations here was dedicated to executing bribery schemes. The involvement of senior management, sales and finance employees, along with third parties, is an important reminder that a company can quickly lose itself in any semblance of ethics and compliance when more and more actors are involved in executing a comprehensive bribery scheme. Stericycle did not have a centralized department and uh, centralized compliance department and did not implement an anti-corruption policy until 2016. The independent compliance monitor, from my perspective, has a tough job ahead. Not only does Stericycle have to design and implement an effective compliance program, but it has to turn the organization from a reckless and off-the-rails culture to one that promotes and instills ethical business decision-making and values. That is going to be a challenge. Now let's start, uh, let's also take a look at vendor risk management. Uh, let's start with a few of one of my, you know, my trite repetitive observations. To pay bribes, the bad actors have to steal money from the company first to fund the bribery scheme. So you have to circumvent the accounting controls in some way or another. In this case, there was a total breakdown on vendor risk management and payments. Invoices were paid willy-nilly without any verification that services were provided, that the vendor is legitimate, and that the payments were reasonable under the circumstances. In Mexico, for example, Stericycle maintained a cadre of 45 vendors committed to executing a scheme premised on fake invoices and funding of bribery payments. If you want an example of how bad it can get with your vendor population, there's no better than Stericycle in Mexico. Related to this is the absence of financial controls. A part and parcel of the absence of vendor risk management is the complete absence of financial controls. In Brazil, for example, finance staff prepared money orders, employees cashed them, and bribery payments were then made. How did the finance staff secure authorization for the money orders? Who approved them? How were they entered on the books? I know the answer to these rhetorical questions, but this is just so glaring in highlighting a company's complete failure to implement and enforce any financial controls. I would wager that Stericycle suffered from employee embezzlement and fraud along with its bribery scheme. 
And finally, the issue of reporting mechanisms. Well, I know it's not addressed. I'm just struck by the absence of any acknowledgement or apparent reporting mechanisms that employees had available to report this criminal conduct. If this conduct was carried out in an atmosphere where no one ever questioned the legality of the bribery scheme, then I may be underestimating the full scope of the culture breakdown. I would have expected at least one employee with a conscience to report the bribery scheme. It could be that I'm asking too much in this case, but it certainly is striking. Well, thank you so much. Uh, interesting case. Uh, and, um, you know, hopefully we'll see some more action coming out of the Justice Department and the SEC. I hear there are more cases coming, but uh, we'll see. But this was a very instructive case and one that can help uh, all compliance departments in anti-corruption. Uh, on anti-corruption risks. Thanks again, and uh, please stay in touch, stay in, and stay healthy, uh, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com.